0: Island Church in Galveston, Texas, welcomes you to our podcast. Be encouraged by Pastor Rusty Martin as he teaches the Word of God. In your Bibles tonight, let's go... Uh, let's start out in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. and we'll try to get over to 2 Corinthians. Now, this is really working out well that we are teaching... On your authority, but not just what it is, but how to release it. We're going to kind of get into the, to the releasing of your own authority that you have in Christ. Now remember as we've studied the structure of your rights and privileges in Christ Jesus revealed by the Word of God, backed up by heaven itself. You say, what do you mean by that? You have authority because of the Word. You have authority because of the Spirit of God that abides on the inside and empowers you on the outside. And you have authority in the name of Jesus. There's no other name given among men whereby we must be saved. The Bible says over there in Philippians chapter 3 that there's no name given, that, it's, uh, that it is above every name of things in heaven, earth, and under the earth. All three realms of people or spirits in which they literally, uh, how would you say it? In which they exist, the name of Jesus is above it all. Amen. Above cancer, above addiction, Amen. above poverty and lack. Amen. Above all the crazy stuff that's going on right now. What's, it, what's it, the... Coronavirus. coronavirus, it's above that. Amen. 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 Now that, that, let's just just for a moment. You say, well pastor, what are we going to do about the coronavirus? Nothing. We're going to live redeemed. You say, well, what if they make us not have church? Well, if they make us, we we can't disobey the law. But in the meantime, we're going to have church. We're going to shake hands. We're going to pass the offering receptacle. Listen, what if we acted like that during flu season? You'd be amazed at how God has protected us over the years during the flu season. How many people you think have stood up in this line that had the flu a bunch. Some of you. Amen. And we prayed for it, ministered to them, and we never got it. And you didn't get it. You say, what point are you trying to make? Listen, don't let fear, and that's what it is. There is a fear that is gripping this nation. Actually, not just this nation, this world. A friend of mine just got back from Italy. He said, it's insane over there. But they, they're canceling everything. They're saying, we can't do this. How far are they going to go with that? How far are they going to let that go? Well, probably as far as they can get away with it. But you've got to understand Christ has redeemed us from that. We don't have to live under the bondage of the fear of it. And listen, people that do well, I pray that their faith rise to a level in which they can make a decision not to be controlled by that type of thing because this is just the next one. You say, what do you mean by that? There will be another one after that, another one after that, another one after that. Uh, The world system is always trying to manipulate the masses through fear. But thank God we don't have to walk in fear. We can walk in faith. Amen. Now notice here in here in uh where am I? I I'm still in Galatians. Go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, real quick. Then we'll go back to 2 Corinthians. Verse 14. Now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly, comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, be patient toward all men. See that none render evil for evil unto any man. But ever follow after that which is good, both among yourselves and to all men. Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks, not for everything, in everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Quench not the Spirit. Despise not prophesying. Prove all things. Hold fast to that which is good. Abstain from all appearance of evil. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray God, and I notice this, your whole spirit... Now, notice that's a smallest. That's referring to your human spirit. Your spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, notice this. Your spirit... Everybody say spirit. spirit. And soul. Everybody say and soul, and soul. And body. Everybody say and body. And now, notice there's an and in between each of the two, so that means these are all connected. Your spirit, your soul, and your body. Now, your authority that you have in Christ, that God has given you because you are a child of God, it operates or it finds its foundation in the realm of the Spirit. You have spiritual authority. Now let me say that again. You have spiritual authority. You say, well, Pastor, what difference does that make? It makes a big difference because soulish authority is limited and fleshly authority is limited, but spiritual authority is unlimited. Now, let me say that again. Soulish authority. And we say, what do you mean by soulish authority? Any, any authority that's, that's, that's uh, released in the soulish realm. Your soul being your mind, the way you think, your emotions, the way you feel, your will, the choices you make. So there's only a certain amount of authority that's going to apply to your soul, there's only a certain amount of authority that applies to your flesh. Amen. But in reality, there is unlimited authority. And you have to understand this, church. If you you don't get anything tonight, get this one thing. Everything going on in the universe today, right now, is controlled from the spirit realm. The good, the bad, the ugly, the indifferent, there is that which God is doing, there is that which this world system is doing, that, there is that which devils and demons are doing, but all of it comes from the realm of the Spirit. And from the realm of the Spirit, it looks for license. Everybody say license. You know, you gotta, I don't have my billfold on me, but if I have my billfold, I could show you my driver's license. That driver's license gives me a right to operate a motor vehicle, I guess, anywhere I go in the United States and probably most countries in the world. That's my license. Listen, you have a license to be on this earth. You say, what is my license to be on the earth? It is your physical body. Your physical body is your license. You're legally here because you're, you, have a, you possess a physical body. Spirit entities look for expression through the physical, via the soul and through the physical. Entities, such as demonic entities, the Bible talks about them in Ephesians, principalities, powers, evil uh, spirits, uh, spiritual wickedness in high places. That means the devil set up in some high places. And they look down into into the world and all the people on the world and they desire expression. They want to express themselves. And they do it how? They look for willing vessels. They look for willing vessels. Now listen, we've preached all over the world for the past 36 years in some of the most precarious places you could go to to preach the gospel. And, And we have had tremendous success. Many of these places we were told we couldn't go. Many of them we were told we shouldn't go. Uh, Some of them we said, you know, you can't go. We went anyway. And we found this out. You don't have to do a lot of, a lot of, spiritual warfare or, or you know some kind of you know uh, some guy try to sell us something on spiritual mapping you know finding out what demons are over the city listen when you arrive Jesus arrives his authority arrives his power arrives his anointing arrives when you get there all you have to do is exercise it or release it and it'll work but you have to also understand this Anybody willing to cooperate with demon powers give that demon power a right to be there. So we're just going to run all the devils out of Galveston. No, you're not. As long as there's anyone here willing to cooperate with that demonic realm, it's going to be here. You say, well, people give it license. People give it license. But the good news is you are redeemed. You have authority. God has placed His Spirit in you. God has placed His Spirit upon you and the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit is looking for license to operate in the earth. That license is called the church and you and I are the church. That's why the devil doesn't like church. I mean, don't, can't you see the strategy of the devil in trying to stop church services, stop this, stop that? I was thinking today when I heard they canceled the Houston Rodeo. That blew my mind that they canceled the Houston Rodeo. Because... You think of the trickle-down effect of all the little vendors, people that would have made money, all the high school students that would be bringing in their cattle, that raised their cattle, their turkeys, their, their pigs, their lambs, all that kind. How all this will trickle down and how it just, it just exacerbates itself like a snowball rolling down a hill. It's going to get worse and worse and worse. But the good news is we don't have to live under the bondage of that. Amen. Amen. The fear that they're trying to propagate upon people. Because people, listen, people that do not know what fear is will not act but react. Now let me say that again. They will not act but react. Action many times is thought out. Action many times is planned. Action many times is calculated. Reaction is spontaneous. And spontaneous reaction by a soul that's messed up or by flesh that's messed up is going to step out of the authority of God and into the dominion of this crazy world and it's going to cause your mind to go nuts. But you are a spirit. I said, but you are a spirit. I said, but you are a spirit. You have a soul and you live in a body. So you're going to release this authority from the realm of the Spirit and it's going to affect the soulish realm and the fleshly realm. Amen? Amen. Now I was was listening to some guys the other day. You can go to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. And and there were some statements being made about the application of the Word of God. And, And it really stirred me up because these guys are theologians with more letters behind their name than the alphabet. Now, the one made this statement. He said, there's no scripture in the Bible that instructs us to apply the Word of God to anything. I thought, my God, have you read the Bible? Now listen to that statement. Now this is a major theologian in our nation. He's saying, there is no scripture in the Word of God that instructs us to apply the Word of God to anything. Well, that's totally wrong. You can just take salvation, for instance. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says if you'll believe in your heart, confess with your mouth that God raised Jesus from the dead, thou shalt be saved. That demands an action on your part. A belief in your heart and a confession of your mouth and you will obtain that which God says belongs to you. It says in Mark 11, 23 whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea, shall not doubt in their heart but believe those things which I say shall come to pass they shall have whatsoever they say all throughout the scriptures everyone that's writing and everybody participating with the Word is making practical application of the Word of God to the circumstances of this negative life. That's what they're doing. The entire Word is applicable. That means you just can't sit and read it and say, well, I guess it'll all work out. It's not going to do it. You're going to have to do something with it. You're going to have to learn to speak your authority and then act like when you spoke your authority it was true. Amen? Amen? You say, well, what if I don't feel any different? Doesn't, anybody, doesn't make any difference? So what, what, what if the circumstance doesn't judge? It doesn't make any difference whatsoever. Remember this. You are siding on the side of truth, which is absolute and eternal, believing that the truth that is in your heart will change the facts or the circumstance or that which is temporal in your life. But somebody's going to have to do something with it. See, the traditional view of Christianity is, is you know, you've got the priest, or you've got the parson, or you've got the pastor, and and he's kind of like the doctor. If you have any need, then you go to him, and he'll pray, and he'll read the Bible, or he'll do whatever's necessary. That's totally contrary to Scripture. Every one of you are responsible for your own life of faith. Now let me say that again. Every one of you are responsible for your own life of faith. Listen, we do everything we can do as ministers. We study, we read, we listen to messages, we pray apart and together. We try to lead the congregation in prayer and the Word. We try to live a lifestyle of being overcomer, overcoming victors in everything we face and every challenge in life. And in doing that, there must be continual application of the Word of God to the circumstances of your life. Continual. And let me say this also. You also need to have a continual release of authority. You say, what do you mean by that? If you don't keep the devil on the run, he's going to keep you on the run. If you don't, listen, if you allow him in, a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in one newscast, With one pamphlet or book, if you're not careful, the adversary can so mess your mind up that you won't even know if there is a God or not. Amen? I've seen it happen many times. That's why you got to be careful what you listen to, what you expose yourself to, and especially what you entertain with your mind. Now, did I tell you 2 Corinthians 10? We've been here several times. Oh, I'm already over here. We've been here several times over the years, but we're going back again because this kind of brings it what I would call full circle into what we need to be doing. Now verse 4, now verse 3, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. Now notice verse 4, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God, to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity, now notice this, every thought, wait, how many thoughts? Every thought thought into the obedience of Christ. That means a thought that comes into your mind must be brought into subjection to what does Jesus say about this? What does Jesus say about coronavirus? What does Jesus say about what's going on in the world? What did Jesus say about the stock market? What does the word, Jesus is the word, was the word, forever will be. What does the word say about it? Amen. Now, I was thinking about this. This afternoon, I was meditating on some scriptures, thinking about what I'd be teaching on tonight. And I remember when I was a kid, and I'd go visit my grandmother on both sides of the family. I'd stay with one of them a couple of weeks, another couple of weeks. And Both of them lived out in the country. And I would lay out in the grass in in the summertime when those big Fluffy clouds come floating off the Gulf of Mexico, and I would lay there sometimes with my cousins, and sometimes with the uh, uh, friends and stuff that lived around where my grandparents lived. Sometimes just by myself, and I would look up at clouds and try to find a cloud that I could make something out of. You know, that looks like a dog's head, or that looks like this, or that. Hey, has anybody ever done that? Yeah. Now, in order to do that, what do you have to use? You've got to use your imagination. Because even if you do see something up there, it's only going to last a little while till the wind blows it or it drifts by you and is gone. Am I right? Right. Now, that's a great picture of what's going on in your mind. It's like all these clouds are going by, which would be what? What's your thoughts? And your adversary is trying to get you to entertain one so he's trying to get you to look at one and think that it's something. Well, that looks like cancer. Well, oh, that looks like bankruptcy. Or oh, that looks like divorce. Or oh, that looks like depression. Or oh, that looks like this. Or oh, that looks like that. Isn't it amazing how if you've ever started down that path, how quickly your adversary can get information to you to affirm that what you're imagining is true? Amen? I mean, they've proved it with studies, they've proved it in all kinds of different ways. When I was in Bible school years ago, they actually they actually did this. They got, I think it was four, I don't think it was five, I think it was four people. And the, and, and the person got up, they were teaching on, as a person teaching on speech, on how to correctly speak and all this kind of stuff, they were teaching on integrity, the integrity of what you say, things like that. And so the the, the guy that was teaching, he was he was a guest guest teacher. He came in and he said, now I'm going to tell a story. And he told some simple story about somebody riding a bicycle down the road and this and that happened and all this kind of stuff. And so he told that story. He said, now everybody hear that. Everybody said, yeah, we heard it. We heard it. He said, now listen, I'm going to take five people out the door. Now everybody had already heard the story, right? They'd already heard it. He said, I'm going to take five people out the door and I'm going to tell them the story again. So he takes five people out the door and he tells them the story and he says, now I want the first person to turn around and tell the second person and the second person to turn around and tell the third person. Third person to turn around and tell the fourth person and the fourth person to turn around and tell the fifth person. So they it took him about, oh, I don't know, five to seven minutes out in the hall. And so they asked the fifth person, come in and tell the story. And the guy came in and he told the story and it was nothing compared to what the story was and we all knew what the story was. Amen. You say, how does that happen? Happens in your mind. Happens with your imagination. Now notice, we can talk about warfare. You can go, oh, I tell you, we need to fight this warfare. No, no. Warfare, 90%, we've said this for years and years, and we can prove it out by the word, 90% of all warfare that you're ever going to be involved in is going to concern you and you alone and what goes on in between your ears. It's going to take place in your mind. Now don't get me wrong. There are places we go. We pray We pray here in Galveston against principalities and powers. We keep them bound over our church, bound over the congregation. Every year, every year we, we, we speak against the flu. We speak against other seasonal maladies and disease. We speak against storms. Come on church, we release our faith, we act on it, but the enemy is continually causing those clouds to come by in our lives and we've got to realize and recognize that that is his strategy when it comes to the warfare he's bringing against you. Now remember what we've said for years. Satan and demon powers cannot read your mind. Now let me say that again. Satan and demon powers cannot read your mind, but they know how you think. They've had however many years you've been alive to study you, and they've had 6,000 years to study humanity. So they can look at you, they can uh, you know, observe your, 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 your actions, your ways, your words, and they're wondering how you think, and they figure out how you think by what you say and how you act. Get any amens on that one? That's what they're watching for. How do they act and what do they say? So I guarantee you, they're paying very close attention right now to Christians to see how they're going to act, what they're going to say. I mean, we got the whole world, we got the whole world afraid they're going to die of some virus that all it does is make you cough. Amen. I was uh, dealing, talking about, uh, since since they've come up with this virus, what is 140-something people have, have died of it, In the same amount of time, 8,000 have died of the flu. I mean, it's crazy. You go look at the statistics when it comes to malaria, of people that die of malaria, it's absolutely incredible. And to take this and to blow it up into this monster to continually impart information, information, panels on TV, uh, newspapers, books, radio, what are they trying to do? He's trying to take that warfare to another level in the minds of those that know what's going on in order to try to distract you, Satan loves to distract Christians. Because if he can distract you, he can deceive you. Distraction always precedes deception. But the good news is, if you can weather distraction and miss the deception, you'll enter into a blessing that God has for your life. Many of us right now, and we as a church are right on the verge of breakthroughs. We've been praying for, believing God for, and then here comes the devil and sends this distraction. You mean he's got to upset the whole world to mess with Island Church? Seems like it. I said, seems like it. But the good news is, it's not going to upset us. We're going to keep moving forward. We're going to keep believing God. We're going to keep. And listen, you can't live in the what ifs of life. Well, what if this happens? What if that happens? Well, we'll deal with it when it does. In the meantime, we're going to guard our minds, amen, and fight this fight. Now, notice so much is instructional in this scripture. Though we war after the flesh, uh, though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. So it's not a it's not a fleshly fight. But then it says, "For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God." So we've got weapons. I said, we've got weapons. It's good to have a weapon. It was my privilege to hunt with Mr. Bill Carter for many years before he went to be with the Lord. And he told me a story one time. He said they had gone out with some hunters and put some hunters out, and he wanted to, 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 to walk. He wanted to walk back to the lodge. There was a place about a quarter mile to a half a mile from the lodge, and they'd put some hunters there, and he just let them drop off. And so he was going to walk back, and the sun was coming up early in the morning there in South Texas. Nice, crisp morning. He said he walked, and as he walked up over, a, he walked up over a, 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 a levee on a pond, on a stock pond, there sat a big old mountain lion, drinking, just sitting there lapping up the water. He said, I looked across that pond, saw that mountain lion. He saw me. He said, then I had this thought. I don't have a gun. I don't have a knife. He said, I could see the front page of the Houston Chronicle. Bill Carter, owner of four gun stores, killed by a mountain lion, no gun. <laughs> hey, man, No weapon, no gun. But the good news is we have weapons. What are our weapons? See, a lot of people, well, if I could just see, if I could just understand, if I could just know what my weapons are. Well, first of all, the Word of God is called the what? The sword of the Spirit. And the Bible says it's what? It's a double-edged or a two-edged sword. That means that's one of the most formidable military weapons of that day and age was that two-edged Roman sword. I I saw him build one on, uh, what's the name of the show? Forged in fire. I saw him build the Roman sword. And actually, the Roman sword, the true Roman sword, which is double edged and it's not as long as most swords and it's got a lot of weight to it, it was considered along with the M1 Grand Rifle as being one of the most powerful implements of war ever devised on the planet. One a rifle, another a sword. So you've got the Word of God. The Word of God has authority in it, the Word of God has power in it. The Word of God produces faith. The Word of God will dry up your fear and you can feed yourself the Word of God and get strong in in faith and starve your doubts down to nothing. Starve your fear down to nothing. But you've got to implement it. You've got to use it. You've got to pick it up, load it, and pull the trigger on it. That means you're going to have to read it, meditate in it, memorize it, speak it, thank God for it, then use it against your enemy. You've got to do it. If, not, if, if you don't, it's going to be words on a page sitting on a shelf that don't mean anything more than a TV guide. Amen? I mean, just, Well, I like to, you know, every day or two, I like to, you know, just maybe open the Bible and, and, and let it fall open and I'll close my eyes and point my finger and get a scripture for inspiration. That's not going to do you any good. Anybody remember the promise boxes? They used to sell these boxes. You remember them, Joanne? <laughs> I sell these boxes. They were about that big. I remember we had a bunch of them around our house. My mom would always buy promise boxes. And you'd reach in and get your promise for the day. So some guy he reached in there, the story was told, some guy reached in there and, and pulled out a, you know, portions of scriptures. Scripture he pulled out said, and Judas went out and hanged himself. He thought, hmm. That doesn't say it sound good. So he set it down, reached in, got another one, and the other one, the next one said, Go ye and do likewise. <laughs> No, maybe he was pointing at the Bible. Whatever it was. Somebody said, you can make the Bible say anything you want to. No, you can't. Try it. I've thought that for years, that you can make the Bible say anything you want it to do. No, you can't. You can't take the Bible and make a case for adultery. You can't take the Bible and make a case for murder. You can't take a Bible and make a case for going down and robbing the bank. You can't do that. You can't make it say anything you want to. There is a right division of the Word of God and that right division will empower you. It is a weapon that God has placed in your hands. Yeah. Then there's the Spirit of God, which is what? Duh! God Himself! If we, if we could only really, really believe that, really embrace That God Himself lives in you. Christ in you, the hope of glory. God's right here. He's right here. Oh, if I could just find God. He's right here if you're born again. He is abiding in your spirit man through the new birth. And if you're baptized in the Holy Ghost, He's come upon you in baptismal measure. For what purpose? The new birth for life. For the Zoe life of God on the inside. And for empowerment, oh my goodness. For whatever it is you do in life, that you would be supernatural in doing it and non-natural. That you would also be a supernatural witness of God. Well, I tell you, there is a great fight against the supernatural right now. It is one of the most amazing... Phenomenons I've seen in 36 years of ministry. I mean, for years and years, people celebrated the supernatural. People believed and prayed. People stood. I mean, they'd line up to get into meetings where the supernatural is moving. We preached meeting after meeting where places were packed out with people because it was the supernatural was moving. Now you've got so many scholars, so many theologians, so many people that have totally discounted any activity of God on the earth. God is in you. God is on you. The Word is in you. And God is looking for an expression through you. That's how that authority gets released. Weapons. Everybody say weapons. Then there's one another. You say one another. Yeah. The corporate body of Christ. Agreement. We can pray the prayer. Many times up here in the prayer line, what we pray with people is the prayer of agreement. Pastor Rusty, this situation is going on. This circle, well, let's agree. Matthew 18, 19, whether two or three agree, it's touching anything here on the earth. It shall be done of the Father that's in heaven. The prayer of agreement. Prayer is a powerful weapon. Praying in the Spirit. Prayer of agreement. Prayer of faith. Prayer of intercession. The prayer of authority. The prayer of praise. The prayer of worship. All that we do by faith is a mighty weapon against the clouds that continually flow over your head, flow through your mind. Now notice this. How's my time? I'm doing good. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but notice this. They're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Now if you study that, you'll see literally that the ability of the Roman army, Paul got most of his illustrations, his military uh, illustrations from the Roman army. Now, what was unique about the Roman army was their ability to pull down strongholds. Strongholds in a military setting were considered positions or places that were fortified, that you just couldn't walk up to and say, you know, y'all give up because my sword's bigger than your sword. No, no. This is a place where people could get in, they could close the doors, Many times these strongholds were put on the where the, where the walls would come, and, and they'd make a turn. Every time there'd be a turn, there'd be a stronghold right there. That stronghold would contain soldiers. It would contain weaponry. And if there was a siege going on, there would be the food, the water they need. Many times there would be somebody that could help with injury or with, with wounds. And then there was all these archers and spear throwers and all these kind of people that, from that stand, uh, from that stronghold, they would wage war. Now let me tell you in your mind. Any stronghold in your mind is where your adversary is going to wage war. If there is a predominant or preeminent way of thinking, you know. Let, let me say this, and I'm not doing this to uh, to, to hurt anybody. I'm doing it to, to help you. This is to help you. If you've had to go, if you've gone through something traumatic, maybe a divorce, maybe you've gone through some type of medical treatment, maybe you've gone through a, a bankruptcy in a business, uh, maybe you've had a, a an issue, a situation with a child that has kind of gone on and on and on. Whatever it may be that you've had to give a lot of attention to with your mind, with your thinking, because with everything now, you know everything. There's no, there's nothing simple in life anymore. Everything now comes with an entire, you know, uh, 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 just a a huge amount of information with every situation. No matter, I mean, you have a, you can have a hangnail, and you can get so much stuff off the internet that you wouldn't be able to print it all. Everybody's got an opinion, everybody's got an idea, no matter what it is. So every situation of life comes with this huge amount of information. Now, the enemy knows exactly how to weave into that information that which is necessary to put you into fear so that you will be in bondage to whatever that thing that you're going through or have gone through is fear that it might come back, fear that it might happen again, fear that it's still going on. He tries to keep that stronghold in your mind so He can continually wage war in your mind. That's why you must become overwhelmed. i never forget a Pastor Doty giving her, Doty Osteen from Lakewood Church giving her testimony of being healed of cancer. And she used the word overwhelmed. I thought it was one of the greatest illustrations of faith that I'd ever heard. She said, when we sat there and that doctor looked across the desk and said, you have the fastest growing, the most deadly type of cancer you can have. They they gave her six weeks to live. We can't, there's really no medication. We can give you no treatment. You know, basically they looked across and told uh, Pastor John, you know, take your wife home, prepare to die. She said this. I thought this was so good. She said, we were overwhelmed with that report. Did you get that? overwhelmed with it. And this is what she said. This was so good. We knew we would have to go home and get into the Word of God on a level we had never gotten into before. We have to get into the Word of God on a level where we're more overwhelmed with what the Word of God says than what the doctor's report was. It's like that with everything. Financial situation. Problem in your marriage. No matter what it is, you've got to get into the Word of God. What is overwhelming you? What is the stronghold your adversary continually brings warfare against you? In your mind. It may be something financial. You, may, you might not even have, have problems with money, but the enemy's always messing with your mind, telling you you're not going to make it. You're going to end up bankrupt. You're going to end up with no money. Listen, you need to learn how to tear it down. How do I tear it down? With the weapons God has given you. Amen. Begin with the Word. Use your authority. Pray in the Spirit. Speak to the stronghold and bring it down. Now, the Roman army, I'll get back to Paul. What did the Roman army? The Roman army was very adept at tearing down strongholds. One of the ways they did it, if the the city was so laid out, which would be more of a square or rectangle where they had corners, they'd they'd go to those strongholds and they'd light a fire under. They'd just build a big old fire around the bottom. You say, that? what would that do? It'd clean everybody out. It doesn't take long for the smoke and the heat to run off everything that's in something. You ever seen a forest fire or something? All the animals are running left that way. Birds are flying that way. I mean, even the inchworms are getting out of there. They know the fire's coming. Everybody say, the fire's coming. Listen, when you begin to walk in the Word, when you begin to walk in the fire of the Spirit of God that is in your own heart and upon your life, I guarantee you if you will build some fires in your life, you will burn out and smoke out some demonic activity that is trying to bring warfare against you from a stronghold and you will do what? You will pull it down. Because once they would empty them out, they would shoot these arrows that would have ropes, they would go around them and they would take horses and they would pull them down. And in the same way, if you do not address the strongholds, they're going to get stronger and stronger and stronger. But if you will pull them down, God will give you a new stronghold in its place that will keep you steady in the things of God. Amen? You know, people talk about You say, well, you need to be confessing the Word every day. You need to be uh, speaking the Word, speaking to your body, speaking to your finances, speaking to your mind, releasing your authority. They say, well, you know, that means I'd just be doing something by the Word all the time. Listen. If you've noticed your life and lifestyle, if you've ever been through a drama or a tragedy, like we just talked about, have you noticed how every day that was on your lips? How you were talking about it. And, you know, you would even lay claim, my, you know, my, my divorce or, or my depression or, or, or my, uh, my arthritis, whatever it would be, you would even begin to lay claim because you talk about it so much, it's so close to you through your own communication. I'm telling you, you can have the worst disease on the planet. And you can begin to speak the Word and speak the Word and speak the Word and speak the Word and tear down that stronghold, tear down that fear. The doctor can give you reports of, well, thank God for a report. Now we know how to pray and speak against that and speak against that and speak against that. And if you get another report, say, thank God we got another report. We'll know how to pray. We know how to pray now and speak against that and speak against that and use your authority. And even though you may have every symptom, that they tell you of the disease you have, it will feel as far away from you as the east is from the west. I know the feeling. I know how it feels to have every symptom. Actually, I, uh, with me it was malaria. To have every symptom of malaria in my body and for it to be so far from me, I just kept on, kept on living, kept on doing flying on airplanes, preaching meetings, going to social events. It was, I went through it during the uh, holiday season. So, I didn't cancel Christmas, didn't cancel, and I kept standing. I kept believing God. I knew that in my own spirit there was a stronghold that had to do with sickness and disease that needed to be brought down. And I'm telling you, those four months of fighting that fight of faith in my mind brought that stronghold down. And that happened in 1994. I've had one symptom of that since then. But it's an effort. Everybody say an effort. That means you've got to do it. Now, my time's about up. Let me close with this. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Now here's the key. Casting down imaginations. Now if you're laying there in the grass and the clouds are going by and you see a perfect weenie dog, and that looks just like freckles. Amen. It's really not a weenie dog. Except for one place in the universe. Is it a weenie dog? In your mind. Amen? And every cloud that floats by is designed to do what? To stimulate your imagination, to make you think. If you've ever noticed that, how the enemy, if you've ever been very aware of spiritual things and how the enemy will bring thoughts and thoughts and thoughts and thoughts of all kinds of things through your mind. How what he's doing is like a it's like a fisherman casting a lure and pulling it by you. Cast again, pull it by you. He's just looking for the right bite. They were fishing with a guy down in Rockport years ago. Me and another pastor. And, and, and he was driving in his boat and he thought he saw a bunch of uh, redfish up in a, in, a, in a cove. And you could see the water was just, just doing this. You could tell there were fish in there. So we got out. It was actually about this time of the year, March of the year. We started wading up in there and we were casting a, a bait called a rat tail bait. Anybody know what that is? It's got a long tail on it. And we were throwing it and there, nothing. Cast after cast. You see, you see the fin coming out of the water. Cast, nothing. He said, you know, that's not what I thought it was. I said, what do you mean? He said, I thought those were redfish. These are drum. He said, watch this. So he took that lure and he bit the thing off except for that little tail. And he strung that little tail up there and he made a cast and caught a fish in that first one. Well, me and this other pastor, we did the same thing. I think we ended up with 40. He said, what happened? We altered not only the bait but the presentation. And the enemy will throw across your mind... His bait. And if he's not getting any reaction from you, he will alter it. And he'll change the presentation. And he'll try it again. But it's the same old devil doing the same old thing, trying to stimulate your imagination, which God tells you to do what? You cast it down. How do you cast it down? You're going to have to do it by your confession. I don't know how many thousands of times I've said to myself, I don't think like that. I don't think like that. I don't think sick. I don't think poverty. I don't think depression. I don't think quit. I don't think give up. I don't think like that. Devil, I don't think like that in Jesus' name. Rusty, you're not going to think like that in Jesus' name. I mean, you've got to make a decision, number one, to pay enough attention to what goes through your mind to identify some things. I heard a guy say this years ago and I thought it was kind of insulting. It may have been... But I received it and got corrected. That's what he said. He said a lazy mind will never receive anything from God. I found that to be true. Don't let your mind get lazy. Don't go to work every day and just wear yourself out to to the point your mind doesn't function anymore. Come home, sit in front of a TV and let them pour garbage into you. Don't do that. Don't do that. Cast down those imaginations. That's your adversary trying to stimulate and get a bite out of you. Because if he can get a bite out of you, what? You're hooked now. Once you get hooked by an imagination, you're hooked. And what is ama- an imagination? It is something that is unreal, not real, or surreal. I mean, I, I if you've ever spent much time praying, seeking God, and had to fight the way the devil, because he's a rat and doesn't play fair, I mean, you can get up in the morning and, and got bit on the side of the face by a mosquito the night before. And he'll tell you you have brain cancer if you listen to him. Amen? I mean, what do you think's going on with this, this coronavirus? The imagination of this thing is so much bigger. They're not controlling you with the real thing. They're controlling you with the imagination of what could happen. I heard a guy on the news say, this could be the end of the world. It's not. I talked to a friend of mine today. I've been witnessing to him. Bless his heart. He's he needs to grow a little more than he has. And and uh, he he told me. He said, "Rusty, I I went to Walmart, and there wasn't any toilet paper." He said, "Is the world coming to an end?" I said, "Buy some Kleenex. It ain't no big deal." He said, "That's a good idea." <laughs> now what would what would what would motivate? our society, to rush to Walmart and buy all the toilet paper. Like that is the true symbol of our civilization right there. So we wipe out all the toilet paper. I mean, when you really start to think about it, it's kind of, kind of comical. If that's your greatest fear, you know. There's more to life than that, but the spirit of that thing, the fear of that thing, is now rampant in our nation, rampant in our city, rampant in our state. All of this stuff that's going on—it's designed to do what? To stimulate your imagination. Every time your nose runs a little bit, get a little—oh my God. We were kidding around out out, out out front before the service. I said, "What we'll do is we'll pass out gloves. Everybody can have gloves, and then we're gonna put we're gonna get Doc. He can get them wholesale. We'll get those cones like you put on your dog. <laughs> hey, we'd make the news then, wouldn't we? Everybody in here worshiping God with a cone on their head. <laughs> Amen. Whatever it takes, right? people are going crazy. You're going to have to guard your mind, cast down imaginations. This is the platform where you you learn to use your authority. Because I'm telling you, nobody knows how your mind can change like you do. I mean, it it might be totally unnoticeable to your wife, your family, your friends, but to you, you know when your mind changes. You know when revelation knowledge from the Word of God hits your heart and you rise up from your spirit and you say in the name of Jesus, I'm not thinking that. I'm not thinking that fear. I'm not thinking that bondage. I'm not thinking that condemnation. You speak that out. You arm yourself with that Scripture. God has not given me a spirit of fear but of power of love. I have a sound mind. I have the mind of Christ. I'm not going to get some stupid disease that they're talking about out there. Well, I belong to Jesus. Amen? And if you'll start thinking that, and here's what I've done over the years. I've learned especially at night before you go to bed, one of the best things you could do is to go to bed rolling scripture around in your mind. Because yes. Yes. what you'll notice is you'll wake up and it'll be rolling around in your mind. And you're, when you do that, you are guarding your mind against everything that's trying to get in there to cause you not to be the overcomer that God's called you to be. Amen? So we're going to release our authority. Speak the Word of God to our mind. Keep the devil on the run. The Bible says resist and he'll do what? He'll flee. He'll run in stark terror from us. Stand on your feet. Father, thank You tonight for Your Word. Thank You, Father, that the entrance of Your Word brings light and life to us. Thank You this evening, Lord. Your Word has gone into our spirit, man, so that we might receive and act on that which is in Your Word, and walk in liberty and freedom from the bondage of this world and its system. Thank you as we leave tonight. As is our tradition, we claim our protection. We claim our safety through the confession of our mouth and that which you have given us through the promise of Psalms 91. We declare no evil befalls us. No plague comes in our dwelling place. Angels have charge over us. And we decree and declare no matter what rises up, no matter what is formed, it shall not prosper in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. We're, we're safe and protected as we travel on the highways, the seaways, the railways, the airways. Thank you, Father in the interaction of our righteous labor at work, wherever we find that which You've given us, the resource that You've given us, Father. Thank You. We're protected from trauma, from terror, from evil plans of wicked men or the devil himself. And we set a watch about our mind. Father, give us an opportunity to recognize and realize not only what we're thinking, but how we're thinking it. Give us that adjustment. Give us that strength. Give us the power of that Word to change every mindset that is a stronghold into something that God gives us freedom and liberty through. Thank you for that door of utterance, even at this time of fear and all this anxiety that is going on. Thank you that we have a great door of utterance to minister your word. Thank you, Father. We can be a blessing to people, problem to the devil, a miracle in someone's life. Let our boldness and strength in the word be a testimony to that which we believe about God in all things and in all ways. Lord, we leave tonight walking in faith and love toward you. We love you so much, Father. Lord, we leave walking in love toward one another. Thank you for our church. We leave as the ambassadors of Christ you've called us to be. Thanking you, Lord, here at Island Church, we're covered by the blood, empowered by the word, and anointed by the Holy Ghost. God. Thank you for listening to Island Church's podcast. To find out more information about Island Church in Galveston, Texas, visit our website at islandchurchgalveston.com. Hallelujah, Jesus.